Welcome to another episode of the Mingo Podcast. Podcast where you learn about high school basketball in the state of New Jersey and college basketball in the state of New Jersey. Remember, if you can shoot, you can play. Today, I have a guest that uh, that taught me that taught me a couple things when I was in college. Is a former teammate of mine. Uh, he's from South Jersey. Um, probably one of the hardest working uh, guys that I ever met when I got to college, just working on his game all the time. And I, you know, I used to be like, yo, what is he doing? Why is he in the gym so early working on ball handling and all this extra stuff? But, you know, he was setting up to take my spot and I didn't even know it. <laughs> Everybody, welcome Norman Ingram to the podcast. Norm, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, Mingo? What's going on, everybody? Glad to have be on the show, man. And congratulations on taking a step on this journey, man. And it's you know I'm proud of you. I'm glad that you're in basketball still and still trying to contribute, man. For sure, for sure, man. Just trying to you know love the game. You know, you know once you a gym rat and you love playing ball and, you know, you grew up playing ball. It's hard to get away from it. Even when you can't play no more at, at the level that you used to play, you all, you find something to do, like talk about the game like I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Which is cool. Um, so just let, you know, you know, people know, you know, your, um, what, what led you into coaching and, you know, where, where have you coached? Who was your influence? Who influenced you to become a, a high school head coach and, you know, things of that nature? Well, you know, like you said, I started in South Jersey. I'm originally from Camden, New Jersey. Um, I grew up uh, with a lot of my friends. Went to McGraw Elementary School. We had a, uh, we had a security guard named Mr. Pennant who always ran, like, after-school stuff with the kids. Used to make me and my twin brother Nate tie our right hands behind our – I mean, our left hands behind our back. We were right. Um, so he was a big influence on me. Um, in middle school, my dad coached – coached me seventh and eighth grade but we also in sixth grade we had uh Donnie Walker who's now brother Wasim Muhammad who was a big player in Camden in the 80s um and was a really good influence on me as far as seeing somebody who was young and could play um coaching kids uh when I went right. to high school my freshman year I went to Woodrow Wilson which is on the okay. east side of Camden um it's the rival to Camden High my whole family graduated from there and my freshman coach Al Dyer um was a big influence on me as well. He actually ended up becoming the girls' head girls coach at Wilson and be, uh, won a tournament of champions with, with the girls' team at Wilson. He's been a mentor for me. Coach Michael McBride was a football coach at Woodrow Wilson. Um, and when I actually became a coach at, at Winslow, Coach McBride was a football coach at, uh, at Winslow as well. So he was a big mentor and influence on me. Of course, Coach Holmes at Bloomfield um, and those experiences as a player with him Miss um, Wooten. So I've had a lot of people who have had successful careers um, around me and always leaned on them. So they were really big influences on me becoming a coach um, and being a successful coach in South Jersey. For sure. For sure. Um, for, for people that don't know, you know, Norm, uh, he coached, uh, I think you won two sectional t- t- uh, titles while you was now, yeah. while you were the head coach. What year was those, were those titles? So we won our first school sectional uh, sectional title in school history. The first one was uh, 
the 14-15 season, and then the second was the 15-16 season, which we won a sectional, and then we actually went all the way to the state championship and uh, wow. lost at the rack. Wow. See, I've, I've been coaching for about, uh, I'll say, 15 years between college and high school. And, you know, the, the closest I got to a sectional title is the quarterfinals against <laughs> Hanover Park in 15-16. In, uh, and that's mm-hmm. when we were really – that's when me and you were really talking, and I think that's when you took over. That was your – I don't know if that was your first year as a head coach, but I know that was my first year as a head coach. And we was always in communication about, you know, where the season is going and things of that nature. But um, yeah, my, my first year as a head coach was uh, 2011, 2012. Okay, so my, okay. So I was, it was my fourth and fifth year that we won the back-to-backs. Right. It, it usually takes that's, – that's how much time it takes. It usually takes yeah. about three or four years. Yeah. You know, um, the other thing is just, you know, touch on, you know, when you took o- when you took over, you know, Winslow Township High School, the state that it was in and what you had to do to get it to to be a respectable program. Not saying that it was never a respectable program, but, you know, how did you put your imprint on Winslow Township High School? Well, I think it's really started when I came in out of Bloomfield. I actually went to uh, Winslow and uh, my, my uncle Butch, who actually helped me get into Bloomfield when I walked on. And, um, he, you know, his his friend that he coached with, uh, Coach Martin, was the head coach. So Coach Martin was a head coach for three years. And then his assistant coach, Coach Price, was a um, head coach for two years. So I was a volunteer assistant. And I was gotcha. coming from, I was, you know, in Camden, winning a sectional title is not like a big deal. Like the right. state championships are bust. So growing up in that type of competitive environment, uh, we would win conference championships, but then like find ways to lose in the section, you know, in, in, the, in the playoffs. So I always kind of had like a higher standard, you know, for myself and what I thought we could do as an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had, it was the small things that people overlook, like, you know, kids going to class all the time and being respectful, just being good people. Those were things that were kind of being, um, for lack of better words, is kind of brushed over for the sake of possibly winning. And to me, you know, you can't win like that. Eventually, that's going to bite you in the butt, which was happening. Um, so when I eventually took over uh, as the head coach at Winslow, um, people got to understand no matter what you do, you have to pay your dues. So I think yeah, as a yes. – I, I, didn't, I didn't make a dollar. Like, I didn't make one dollar as a volunteer assistant coach. I just did it for the love of the game. Uh, sharing information, but because of that, I built a relationship with these with these young guys that they knew like it wasn't it was it was nothing. I didn't care about championships or anything. I just wanted to see them be good people and right. use them to the best of their ability. So once you kind of establish that type of trust within an environment, um, when I took over as head coach, it was like, yo, this is why we're falling short. We're falling short, yeah, because you're not going to class on time. We're falling short because you're being disrespectful to a teacher and then you got to get suspended. So those things won't be tolerated anymore. So my first year as a coach, it was a literally an entire like personality change of what was what a Winslow athlete or what a Winslow Township basketball player looked like, what he acted like, how he behaved on and off the court. Um, and there were strict, strict you know, disciplinary actions to people that didn't get in line. And honestly, I was put in a situation where I had two returning seniors who um, really was wanted to do it the old way. And right. I cut them. 
I got I removed them from the team. I, they didn't even start the season, and I took a lot of heat, bro. And like and you know, you know, I took a lot of heat. That's a lot of people don't understand. Um, what a lot of people just don't know what success looks like. Um, and they don't know what winning programs look like. So mm-hmm. their assumption is you got the best players, you're gonna win. And we all know that's not the case. We can no, have not at all. Yeah, like and I know and I've heard you say before, like you need talent. You definitely need talent to win, but talent doesn't necessarily win championships. Like you'll get to a level where your talent will be met, even if you're the most talented team. Who's the yeah, most I disciplined think, team? Who's I, the most I think what you, let me let me interject for a second. I think you're trying to you know, what you what you're saying is, you know, you gotta have good people. Yeah, you know, for sure. you gotta have good kids. You gotta have a good assistant, assistant coaches, and you gotta be you gotta be willing. You gotta be able to willing to put yourself out there as being the bad guy as a head coach. Because oh, being yeah. the head coach and being the assistant coach is totally different. Oh yeah, some sure. people and that's what some people don't understand. It's like now I'm in a position where. If I tell you this is what I expect, this is what I expect. And if you don't do it, this is what's going to happen. And, of course, there's kids, you know, that are trying to call you bluff or whatever. And I'm oh, pretty yeah. sure when, when you cut those seniors, it was like, oh, it's Coach Ingram ain't playing. Is that a precedent? Yeah, coach yep. ain't playing. Go ahead. Yep. And then for um, and then the following year, I had my best player halfway through the year. I had to remove him from the team. And my team that actually won it, like the back-to-backs, I should say, those guys their freshman year came in and saw saw three of the top players get removed. So, right. and they were young guys. They, none of them were even starters in eighth grade. Like all the best players that from Winslow Middle School left. So it was, they came in with the, you know, just the eagerness to learn and, and work hard. Of course, immature kids, it's, you know, you deal with that. You help them grow and develop. But they also knew that if you go too far, it's over. Um, yep. we'll, we'll find somebody else, which I will play somebody who is not better than you for the sake of the team. <laughs> like, and so because of that, and, and I, you know, as a coach, man, you know, we, we young dudes, man, and coming up and seeing like, you know, you have these moments where you want to give a kid a break. Like you want to let them say, right. and it's like, you got to check yourself and be like, you know what? The world is not going to let this dude slide. If I let him stop this right now, you know, he's supposed to get suspended, but I let him play or I let him play a half, you know, we lose. He loses because he's going to think somebody else is going to let him slide. So I right. have, you're going to think it's okay. Yeah. And I had a lot of moments like that, but all my guys understood early on that this is bigger than basketball, man. And I, that's always been my approach to basketball. I always, it was more or less about the development of myself and the people around me just to be better, to give ourselves the best chance to win. And basketball was going to take care of itself with our preparation. So I always kind of instilled that in my guys. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, and I think the misconception that people get from Norman Ingram and Nate and Nate, Nate Nathan Ingram is, for people that don't know, Nate and Norm are twins. He has a twin brother, brother and, you know, identical twins. It took me a while to figure out who was who, but put it like this, Nate didn't, Nate won't have to work, didn't work hard enough. Because <laughs> he, he was like, I'm just good enough. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Me and my twin brother, we got into physical fights, man, in high school. Once we, when we transferred from Wilson to West, and I just really, I saw how my dad was a single parent, man, with four kids about to go to college at the same time, all the same mind. You know, everybody was, was ready. And I just wanted to take on this responsibility so my dad didn't have to work as hard. So I'm in the gym with a with a straight focus of I want to be the best I could be. And Nate is in there watching, you know, Jason Williams highlights, 
<laughs> you know, he's in, he's in to a trick shots right now. Where I'm like, yo, we got to get a 500. But, you know, Nate, yeah. Nate was super competitive, though. And Nate was probably the best, like, ball handler. Nate wasn't one of those guys yes. break you down. He had more like a Jason kid. Like, he, he'll go a whole game and not shoot the ball and, and dominate a game. Um, just yes. take people to ball and score a position. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to like just being a, a point guard, uh, my brother was probably the best point guard that I played with. Just a pure, I don't need to shoot. I'm going to get everybody to ball and guard the, the best player. But then when we got to college, you know, man, and a lot of if you use any young, this is a full-time commitment, a full-time job if you want to play at that level. And Nate, yes, sir. brother Nate, realized that and then was like, yeah, that's <laughs> for me because it's not fun no more. No, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what happened with Nate. I'm gonna tell you what happened. Nate was like, "Oh, we got individuals. We gotta go to practice." We, oh, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. I'm not. I'm not doing this, man. Not what? You know, I, I don't. <laughs> right. I don't even. I don't even need to do this. I'm yeah. better than all the guys you got anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that was Nate's yeah. approach. But yeah, Nate, if you're listening, you know, you know, we we we'll, we'll get you on next time. But it was so much fun with you with, with you guys at Bloomfield, man. We'll we'll get into that later. Yeah, but, but hey, listen, with Nate, I, Nate was my pseudo assistant coach. He ran all my spring and fall stuff. So if it wasn't for Nate yes. and Coach Thatch, you know, we we will get into that too about picking your staff and you know all that other stuff. But yeah, if it wasn't for my brother, man, we probably wouldn't have won a championship. Right. So he's been an integral part of the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Hello. Yo yo. Yeah yeah, I'm here. You hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can yeah, hear you. I can hear you. So Nate, Nate is a is a big part of that 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 whole turnaround, also. Oh, for sure, because just like you know, as an assistant, like you know, I'm yelling, I'm, I'm the bad guy, and I embrace my role as the bad guy. And then they had somebody that looked and sounded just like me, telling them the right thing to do. So, <laughs> you know, these kids, they had Coach Nate to talk to and call, man, when he hated my guts. <laughs> so it was good, man. It's all good. It's all good. So, um. 20 was 26 2015 16 that was your last season yeah 2015 16 was my last my last year as coach yeah like two weeks after the season I had a telephone pole really messed up my back man I was I had some herniated disc bulging disc and um okay. I'm you know you know me Mingo man I'm, I'm either all in or I'm not in at all and, and I, my yeah. summer was taken away from me uh all my prep work I was I was going to the chiropractor up until the following so it happened in April the follow up until the following February, I was going to the chiropractor four times a week. It was rough, man. Concussion. It was it was it was a tough time, man. It was a tough decision for me to have to walk away. Um, that I had two more seniors coming in that following year. We actually three peated. Um, so we, they wow. won another, yeah, we won the South Jersey championship. And, you know, I was really proud of that that group. Mm-hmm. Um, and Coach Wayne, they, you know, he took over and did a good job, man. And they, we, you know, we three peated. Yeah, yeah. You thinking about getting back into it? Yeah, I think eventually I am going to get get back into coaching for sure um, at the high school level. Um, I just really feel like I got a lot more to give as far as my understanding of the game and just want to be a, just have another way to impact these kids in a positive way, man. You know, I teach. I've been teaching for 13 years, uh, TV and film production. My program is, is amazing, and I have some amazing, talented kids out here doing some amazing things. And, you know, like it just God put me in a position, man, to really have an influence and help people. And he Gave me talent in both sports and his media stuff. So, you know, it's yeah. like it's the right place to be for me. What's your, um, I mean, you know, at, at this point in the game, you know, 
I, I love coaching, man. Coaching is so much fun. It's so authentic when you're at the high school level. Oh, yeah. You're getting to see these kids grow from freshmen to sophomore to junior to senior year, you know. Mm-hmm. So the big the big thing that I hear a lot of high school coaches complaining about or they're afraid to deal they're afraid to deal with our parents. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Parents can be because everybody think everybody believes that their kid is the best kid and mm-hmm. they should be treated fairly or whatever the case is. But that's not always the case, and that's not that's just not how the way the world works. Mm-hmm. You know. So how how was the parents at uh at at Winslow? It's a public school, right? Yeah, Winslow's a public school, and uh, I think Winslow, just like any other high school, parents were definitely a challenge for me um during my tenure, and they're going to. Parents are going to continue to be a challenge because, and I, you know, I used to have these conversations with my players because one of our biggest like things that were slowing us down were kids, of course, fully buying into what you, what your role for them is, opposed to what mom, dad, aunt, uncle, cousin sees them doing. And um, right. So I think as, and I would advise any head coach or anybody that's getting into coaching, um, first thing you need to do is you need to have a conversation with parents. And players and let them know and reassure them that, oh, this is this is bigger than basketball. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm in this position because I want to see your, your your son, your daughter, whoever, be a good person and be a, and have an impact on society. Because the bottom line is most of them will not be playing on the next level. That's the truth. Right. Um, that's, that's the hard truth, but it's the truth. So once we kind of establish that, that means when your kid does wrong, they're going to get the same discipline as the guy that's averaging 25 that does wrong. There's certain things that are just state like just no matter what the situation is, these are the standards of the team. Now, when it comes to playing time and things like that, that's the of course, that's our decision. That's our the things that we're trying to figure out as the season goes on. It's going to change. It's going to depend on the team that you're playing. These are things that parents don't understand and, and players don't understand. So what you have to communicate to your players and what I communicate to my players is this. You, I never said nothing bad to my players about their parents ever ever in my life because you'll, right. you'll lose a right. kid like that but you have to be honest with me mm-hmm. your parent wants what's best for you and I will always believe that like no matter what the parent is going to want what's best for that kid but I want what's best for this team and if you want to go with what the parent thinks is best for the team then you got to go play for your parent because you can't play for me right right yeah. so I, I look at it like this and this um like I said I I was at <clears throat> I was a coach at Bloomfield right after I graduated. I was an assistant coach there. And then I was, I went to Dwight Inglewood for five years. And then I went to Rutgers Newark for a year. Mm. Then I went to East Orange campus. And then I went to North 13th street. And then I became, I became a head coach at North 13th street. And it, that's been the big thing in high school, parents, parents, parents. So I had to, I, I was being prepped how to deal with parents when I was at a, at Dwight Inglewood, which was a private school, an affluent private school, and these are filthy rich parents, yeah. and they got these kids playing basketball or soccer, lacrosse, whatever the case is, and they always got an input or a say. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to work with a guy by the name of Eli Goldberger who taught me the ins and outs of dealing with parents. Mm-hmm. So at, at, at 38 years old, at this point in my, my coaching career, Parents, is, I don't worry about parents. Yeah, no. I, I have a meeting. I have a meeting at the beginning of the year. I explain to them, you know, you can talk to me about anything under the sun. You can talk to me about anything. You want to talk to me who, how such and such needs to get better? What what you th- you could tell me? Oh, I think I think we, you should run a two three zone. That's your opinion. Mm-hmm. But once you get into trying to 
you know, worry about the parents too much, you lose yourself oh, yeah, and sure. you lose the team. So, and these are parents, like, you're not going to change the way they feel, yeah. they feel about their kid. Nope. You know what I'm saying? So what I try to do is, you know, let kids know, like, look, I'm like an older brother, man. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not your dad. I'm like your older brother. And every time you come to practice and every time we have a game, you know, I'm trying to tell you what I'm telling you what you're doing wrong in order for us to get to where we need to go. And, you know, that's going to take the big word that kids do not like to hear. And it's, it's, it's been a problem. And it is a problem. It's sacrifice. Nobody wants to do the little things. You just said your brother was playing point guard. He didn't care if he scored. He'd guard the best player. Mm-hmm. I can't find too many kids that, that want to do that today. Yeah, well, I think, you and know? I think it is hard, but I do think it can happen because every year is there somebody winning a state championship. And usually those teams right. that win state championships have teams with that type of dynamic. So I think for us as um, head coaches and establishing this line of communication, a lot of these kids will sacrifice. They don't know yes. how. Yes. They don't have yes. that example. So where does that example come from? It comes from us. And I can tell you from my personal experience, I had, I had a team, my team that won back-to-backs, I think I had two of my players were like the babies of their family. And then the rest of them were like only children. So you talk about me first mentality. How do we get them to buy in? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you get them to understand that this is what how family mm-hmm. works? It comes from me. I didn't miss a day of practice. Mm-hmm. When I said practice was at 8 o'clock on a Saturday, I'm there at 730. When I say, yo, as soon as the school year ends, our first summer workout is the following Monday after that Friday at 8 a.m., I'm there. So they saw, they literally saw me sacrifice my whole entire life for them to be better. I put relationships on hold. I put my own family on hold. There's a lot of things that I was willing to do, and they saw it. I didn't say, yo, you have to sacrifice. It was, yo, Coach High is here. Dang, we got here at 8. Coach High ain't leaving until 5. On a on a on a Tuesday during summer break, that means he not working. Like you know what's going on. Like so, it's it's those things that when you as coaches we we want these kids to sacrifice, but a lot of the times these kids aren't getting taught those skills. Who do they get taught from? They have to see. They have to see our example. That's the only way you'll earn that respect. So when a kid does buck yeah. up and say, "I shouldn't have to sacrifice my shot," like hold up, but I'm the one that sacrificed to make sure you got here. You ain't paying right. gas money. You ain't like, like and so right. and, and these dudes, they you know, because of the entitlement that comes with a lot of them and a lot of how you know how they're brought up, they don't they it's not that they won't respect you or won't, you know, sacrifice. It's just they don't realize how to do it. And it just it just takes a lot more work in this era than it did in our era growing up. I absolutely the, the other that's that's a that's a great point. That's a great point that you touched on right there. So I asked a lot of kids, you know, when I was at North 13th Street, I became a head coach. And this is a technique I learned from um, from uh, Eli Goldberger. Great dude, man. Great dude. He basically said, he basically told me, act when you get when you get your head coaching job, ask your team. Ask them, ask, go to each individual player and say, are you the only child? Mm-hmm. How many brothers you got? How many sisters you got? You know, because that dynamic there, right, that dynamic right there tells you a lot about Mm -hmm. a kid. 
something as something as small as that, it tells you a lot about that kid. Where are you growing up in in the house with another brother, younger brother? Are you the middle child? Are you the older child? Are you the youngest mm-hmm. child? You know, I know how it was for me when me and my brother was growing up in the house. We was fighting, fighting every, every day. day, but then and then playing the fighting and then playing the video day. game two minutes later, like it's nothing. But it's, later. you know, it, yeah. So it's it's never it's never just you and you. Everything is just for you. It's like you got to share this, and you learn that from a young mm-hmm. age. So the point that I'm trying to make is. I, me personally, this is not, you know, no proven data, nothing like that. I feel as though when you have kids where they got siblings in the home, you know, they're, they're more equipped and they're more willing to sacrifice, if that makes yeah, sense. I, think, I, I really do think it, de- it depends on the kid. And I do think for us as, as, as coaches and as people who are uh, a part of these young people's lives, it's our, it's our job and part of our, our duty to, to find out what, each individual kid needs to, you know, to see or to feel to be willing to sacrifice, to, no matter if they're only child, oldest, you know, or or the middle or the, or the youngest sibling. And, um, you know, and, and, right. and it's, it's just it's constant work. It's just constantly work because, you know, they'll they'll see a championship team. You'll see they'll see Golden State Warriors in 2017 or whatever, whatever year they want. And you got all these scores and it's like, yo, they're still passing the ball to each other. And it's like, you know, like, and the reason why they can pass the ball to each other because they all know they can score because they all work on their game. So you don't need to shoot the ball every time. <laughs> and, you know, but seeing those things, and I remember, man, just a, just a quick example of, like, as a coach and you filling these people out. I know because I won uh, as a player and I was a part of winning as a, as a young guy, I know our Bloomfield team dynamic when we lost and then the, our Bloomfield right, team right, dynamic right, right, when, we right. when we won. When we won – we we we're gonna we're gonna get this. Yeah, we're but, gonna get but, this. So, Trust yeah, me. Yeah. So so, but as I'm the only one in the gym that knows that in my in my in my uh, in my program. So I gotta figure right. out how to recreate something similar, which I mean, make it our own, but get these kids to buy in, like to be in a family. So I remember the year before the year before we won our first one, we going into the playoffs. We had our practice, and it, just a quick example. I had 13 people on my roster no matter what. Like, I, my varsity team is only 13. I think anything more than 13, you're going to have too many issues where people want playing time and stuff. So that's just me. I bought 13 donuts. My, you know, me and my coaches are talking, you know, what you think we're going to do? You know, how you think we're going to do? I bought 13 donuts, put them on the table. I said, at the practice, I said, yo, we got 13 donuts. Everybody get one. Joke, I got big jokers taking four. Five, I said, yo, listen. <laughs> I said, Coach, this, this, we gonna be competitive. This ain't the year, though. This ain't the year. And they looked at me. I'm like, he ain't make sure that he, everybody else had one before he took two. Those little things like that, like as a coach and as a person who comes, yeah, like you, you, you'll see the tendencies of these, you know, of young people, and you be like, yo, man, by the year we won, them jokers will fight somebody if they came to practice and then eat. Like, yo, you was in lunch with them, and then he, you ain't make sure you gave him a quarter or something to get a snack. So those are little things that, um, like, when, as, as a person who comes from success or if you experience success at a high level, if you're not a fan, you're not going to win because those tough times are coming. Those tough moments are coming. And if, if you guys don't trust one another, like, through and through, you're going you're gonna to fail at that critical moment. So, but it's all small things that, you know, at, because you have success and you see what success looks like, you can then bring those things to, to your team. And if you're a coach out there and you haven't experienced success, reach out to people who have. Like we share 
Right. So, you know, I mean, I, right. I mentor a lot of coaches. Right. I talk to a lot of coaches. A lot of people ask me, you know, how'd you do it in five years and things like that. And it's like, yo, I'm a hyper, I'm a hyper workaholic and I'm super dedicated to my people around me, loving one another and making sure each other is uh, successful. So when we lose, we never, I never, like, I look at it like I never lost. I think I might have had two seasons over 500, bro. But I never lost. It was a learning, right. it was a learning experience. Right, right, right. And that's what, uh, that's what, um, that's where I'm at right now with uh, the win-loss thing. It doesn't really, it doesn't shake me. It doesn't move me that much. It's like, we got better, my team at Newark Academy, we got better from last year to this year, and we're going to get yeah. better next year. Last year, we won, we were 13 and 12. This year we're eleven mm-hmm. and fourteen, but the the maturity, the commitment, the the togetherness is growing rapidly with these guys yeah. that I have, and I got a good administration. I got good yeah. people around key, me. Man. You know what I'm saying? It's, just it's never people. just the coach. It's never just the players. It's never just the parents. It's never just the admin. It's everybody. If you can get a program where everybody is buying into this is a process. This is not. You can't microwave championships, man. It can't be like I get this best player, that best player, and we just gonna rock out. Because eventually you're going to run into a St. Pat's. Yeah. You're going to run into a Benedict. Or you're going to run into a Cannon High. And all your microwave team that ain't really a team, they just the best players on some AAU stuff, is going to get cooked by a team that's a, that's a real team. Yeah. A team. Yep, yep. Um, that's good stuff, man. Good stuff. I wanted The other thing I wanted to touch on a little bit, I mean, I, I believe – that in order for you to become a good basketball player, you got to do the little things. So whether you're a young kid, whether you're eight years old or you're 16 years old or whatever the case is, the one, the, the, the one skill that I feel as though you have to put in endless work and, and just constantly mm-hmm. is shooting. You have to shoot. You have to be able to shoot the basketball. You have to be able to shoot mm-hmm. the basketball. Kids listening out there, coaches listening out there, Get your team shooting before practice, after practice. You know, I would I would have my guys, we'll start out with five, six shooting drills before we, we even mm-hmm. get into our practice. You know, how, how much do you think the importance of shooting is, you know, at the well, uh, high think, school level? Or the, the, well, the, the grade, grade school, school level? level? I think it's, it's great. Both, both okay. high school and grade Yeah, so I think, I think at the grade school level, the most important thing that people have to focus on is – the proper technique. I think too many trainers nowadays and people who are, you know, you know, without, you know, not trying to knock nobody's hustle, but who are profiting off of training kids are so into just, you know, the shooting, just shooting the ball opposed to the technique of shooting. Like, you know, me and you were both really good shooters, right. bro. And just, just, yeah, natural. And it's just natural. that, that came right. for me with a lot of work by myself, um, shooting the ball, like, with one hand, just making sure my elbow was in. A lot of people don't have somebody teaching them how to shoot properly, but there's so many resources out here now. This is no way that a kid can grow up and not see like, oh, your elbow's supposed to be in, your palm's not supposed to be on the ball, like things like that. Um, so I think from a grade school level, don't rush to shoot threes. Like don't rush to hire and have your kids. Right, right. You know, I, have I them agree. learn how to shoot properly. And then as you get older and then become – so on a high school level, now we're talking about how good of a shooter do you actually want to be? Do you want to be somebody that can, you know, drop 15 one game and then go the next seven games only have four and you're like, I don't know why I'm missing. Or you want to be those guys that be like, 
yo, as soon as the ball leave your hand, I know where it's going. And that just comes from repetition. But the repetition is kind of a mute point if you're not really working on the, that, the good habits. Um, I, think it, I think everybody who can shoot the ball, not that everybody shoots the same, but they know themselves enough and uh, how they shoot enough because they, sh- they put reps in every single day. Um, I can tell you right now from the age I was probably 15 until my end in my career at Bloomfield, I don't think it was a day in my life in that time period that I didn't shoot at least 700 shots a day from the time I was 15 to 22. And I wasn't even like, I don't even think I was the best shooter. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I was just willing to work. We thought you was. I, I well, you I was. think I was an efficient shooter. I think I probably could have – in college I could have shot more, but I was like, man, I'm trying to win, man. I, I lost – I went up, I went from a winning team at Wilson to West, and we lost a lot. And I was like, yo, man, I want to win. So we had, what, three, four shooters? So I'm like, somebody got to take a step back. I'm, like, I'm that guy. I'm trying to win. So, you know, as long as I make it when I get it. <laughs> but not – you gotta shoot. You right, gotta right, shoot every. Right. You have to shoot every day. If you want to be a good shooter, you have to. You have to shoot. It makes the game so much easier for you. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree. I agree, man. Um. So, you know, every, you know, for the, for people that don't know out there, I was a junior. I know I was a senior, and Norm was a junior. Uh, our times at Bloomfield College. Uh, when he came in. I was, uh, I think I was, a, yeah, I was a sophomore and he was a freshman. But just to paint a picture, I'm g- gonna give you guys a quick story. When I first met Norm, and I just, you know, I was first of all, our team at Bloomfield, you know, my senior year, your junior year, it was just literally split in half. We had half mm-hmm. the kids from South Jersey and half the kids from North Jersey. South Jersey kids was mm-hmm. Andrew Whitmore. Kyle Blue, yep. Danny Terrell, uh, Norman Ingram, Nate Ingram. Who else was uh, Kareem Boswell? He was from he was from South Jersey. Who else we had on there? If, um, if, I'm, if I'm missing anybody, can't think of. Um, I yeah. think that's it. And then uh, and then on the north, the kids from North Jersey was myself, Atif Crawford, Ray Brown. Uh, Andre Dabney, Rob Lawrence, Jared Hillman, and it was just for me. I'm speaking about my experience. So, when I first, you know, find out that all these guys are from South Jersey, I'm like, why are we have? Why do we have all these kids from <laughs> South Jersey? And then you go back to the dorm room. You go back to the dorm room. I talk to Andre. I talk to Rob, and you know, it'd be like, you know it's a lot of kids from the, from the South, man. Like, can they play? And the first misconception that you have from people from South Jersey is no disrespect is that mm-hmm. you think they're soft, you know, you think they're soft and they can't play basketball or whatever. Cause all you know is up in the, on the Northern side of New Jersey is mm-hmm. St. Pat, St. Benedict's West side, East side, all those teams. And when you hear like, um, Egg Harbor, <laughs> you're like, what? you know, yeah, Timber Creek. You're like, what? What's that? I remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you remember Eddie uh, Roden. He he Myra, was from no. Palmyra, and I'm like, yo, <laughs> where where is that man? That ain't even real basketball. And he would stand. Yeah. He would stand on it like, man. If if you come down here, it's gonna be some problems down there. I was nice <laughs> down there. You're like, whatever. You you wasn't good, but it was just. I think 
I think we just had a mm. really good mixture of guys, you know, and then we all came together. And I had a, yeah, I had a sure. great experience, man. I'm not gonna even I'm not gonna lie. I had a great experience. Just touch on your experience. Well, I mean, my, your experience. My, well, when I when I, I came to Bluefield, I was was considered a preferred walk on. Now I'm in South Jersey. You know, Wag is down here. Uh, we're the same age. Um, Wag, you know, we grew up together. He, he was just dominating everything. But I I think I was like the number eight scorer in South Jersey my senior year. I didn't I didn't get one scholarship offer. Um, so I actually ended up going to Bloomfield, decided to go to Bloomfield like in July after I graduated. So scholarship washed up. Everybody, everybody had their situation. So when I can't, I remember coming in the gym the first day of Bloomfield, man, and Drew was in there, Blue was in there. Um, we, we all in there. So workouts, open gym, <laughs> these dudes is high flying and dunking and all that stuff. And I'm like, wow, man. So I, I knew I was coming into a situation where, um, I wasn't going to get looked at. Um, but I, I kind of just had this personal belief that no matter where I was at, I was going to be able to help win. So I knew from a physical standpoint, I was definitely nowhere near the most athletic, not at all, more talented, but I just knew nobody was going to outwork me because of my experiences in high school. I knew how to work. I trained with a dude named um, my boy, we call him Finn. His name is Elgin Green. He played against AI in high school, played at Virginia Union. He lived down the street from my aunt in Cherry Hill. And he, and we, so he okay. taught me how to be okay. a pro how to work like a pro so when everybody was partying and stuff like that you know i was going to sleep at nine o'clock i was the laughing stock team i was in bed at nine yes. up at 6 a.m in the gym by seven um before for class and i remember being the only dude in there and i remember getting to school but i never took it personal yes. like, I, I loved everybody and i was just like i was just on a mission to play and to get on the court so i became a starter my you know i became a starter shooting guard my freshman year and um I just remember just throughout that whole process, freshman year, sophomore year, um, being by myself and then seeing, starting to see people trickle in the gym with me like, yo, what you doing in here so early? But then it's like, yo, come on in, come on in. So it was like the culture yeah. like, started to change, but I could see that we still had some, just like some people was like down and then some people was just like, now nah, we ain't about that. And for me, my personal experience, um, when I got injured halfway through my junior year, Danny became the starter, and I wasn't even able to play in the championship or nothing like that. But I started hanging out a little bit more, yeah. right? So, that, like, it was this weird dynamic where, like, the dude that wasn't hanging out was now hanging out, and then the people that was hanging out is now in the gym. And I really think that was a critical moment for our team because it was like, yo, Norm's like a regular guy. And I'm looking at y'all like, yeah, y'all good dude. Like, everybody's good dudes. We crack jokes, but we all good people. And I think that was that – that was what the spark that kind of, like, transitioned us to becoming like a real powerhouse um because following year, i think yes, after year yes, year year yes. that following year we won like 20 games and i, I actually became i came Can't off the you. bench i was a six man which was a tough pill for me to swallow but it was it was a learning experience and we you know we won back to back and then we went on to the, the national tournament and all that stuff so i was willing to sat for me personally i was willing to sacrifice hanging out kicking it with my boys and all that stuff because I wanted to win. And I think that really earned a lot of people's respect around me. And I, it, my senior year, bro, like yes, if you he wasn't did. in the gym extra, it was like, why would, why are you even coming? Like, our, our practices were so competitive. Yeah. We didn't have to really go over like specific drills to like get better. It was more or less like every drill we were doing is competition. Scrimmage. Yeah. Scrimmage, play, you know, things like that. I mean, when I when I used to see you in there, I'll, I'll never forget it. In in uh, my junior year, and you was a 
my junior when I first came in, and I'm like, yo, why is this guy <laughs> always in the gym? Like, yo. And then it started to click, like, yo, mm-hmm. this dude, he plays your position. He's a, you know, he he works really hard. And I remember coach always walk, you know, coach always has something to say, like at the end of practice, like, well, I seen Norman in the gym this morning, and everybody looking around, like, damn, Norman was yeah. in here again. You know, but now we're like, yo. Cause I didn't, me personally, like I didn't know. I knew, I knew how to play hard, and not let nobody take advantage of you on the basketball court. But as far as like working hard yeah. and putting in that extra work, yeah, and, I don't uh, think I wasn't I, doing that, bro. Yeah, I think, I, and I, I think I, for I, me I too, I didn't know that. how to. I was, I was very fortunate. I had an older brother that worked hard, or whatever. But like, I was very fortunate to be able to train with somebody who was literally like training for the D League and trying to go overseas. So like. And that was at 15 years old for me. So my sophomore year of high school, I went from averaging nine points to by the summer league, I'm averaging 30. Be- just because I was out, I, I got taught, which most kids taught, how to prepare um, to, be, to be good at something. It's not like you just roll the ball out of there. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, for me personally, like I said, like I, all the work that I put in, bro, I still became, I think, an average player. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But on, on, a, on an above average team, which is which is really good because most people don't be, aren't average and they really don't even aren't even a part of good teams like that. So I just really think for and for Coach Holmes, yeah. I think seeing somebody like myself, I think he kind of helped him too because remember he was an assistant coach. Bloomfield was his first head coaching job. I think he started. To, he's yeah. So I, I I right I gotta no, you the good. thing about uh, I don't mean to cut you off when when um. When I first got there, I yeah. think Coach Holmes didn't recruit me. Coach Holmes didn't recruit me. I got recruited by yeah, a guy Jack, by the name of Jack Sullivan, year. Coach Sullivan. Yep. Right. Right. So he comes in and he tells me, like, I'm leaving. I'm going to I'm going to a junior college to be an athletic director. So now I'm like, you you brought me here. Now yeah. you're leaving. Like, who the coach? So he's like, oh, Coach Holmes going to take over. So I don't really know Coach Holmes. He's a, he's he's an assistant. You know, I don't think he was ever a high school uh, mm-hmm. head coach or a college head coach or whatever the case is. So now I'm like, damn, this guy going to be recruiting guys to mm-hmm. come in and try to take my spot. <laughs> Here comes Norman Nate. Here comes all these du- Here comes all these dudes. So now what 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 happened when it clicked for me was and you know and I realized it is you gave me that motivation when, when, when I would see you in there, I'm like, yo, I got to do something. So what happened my junior year going into my senior year, I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going, Mm -hmm. I'm staying on campus this summer, bro. I stayed on, I stayed on campus. I uh, I took summer classes. I was in that gym every single day, July and August, bro. When I came back my senior year and I was playing in a bunch of summer league pro leagues or whatever, Leading up to my senior year, when I came back, yep. the confidence level was so high where it was like, yo, I don't, I, don't, I don't care what these dudes talking about. I don't care who you recruit, who you bring in here. You're not going to be tougher mm-hmm. than me. And I know you ain't work as hard as me this summer, you know. But that was all because of you well, sparking that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you got hurt. You mm-hmm. got hurt my senior year. You wasn't able to play. You know what I'm saying? So now, the, you know, it kind, the yeah. door kind of opened. Because I'm ready to compete with you. Yeah, ready to compete like yo, you you need to play me more, you know what I'm saying? But you got hurt, and by default, it just became 
me and Danny yep. Terrell back yep. and forth competing for that spot. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, for sure. So, yeah, but now, and I was I, I was I'm saying with uh, with uh, Coach Holmes too is I think with like a guy like myself and then like seeing how it influenced the team and the people around around us. Um, again, having you in your in your, your junior year going into the summer like that, Danny becoming a gym rat, Dre starting to become a gym rat. I think later on, yes. um, he started to target people with those type of characteristics, like your Omari Knox, you know, your Gates Day, but these guys, legends I, now at yes, Bloomfield. Yes, um, yes. Because, you know, I think I had the work ethic. I don't think I had the talent, but I think when you get guys who are coming into a situation and now you're an assistant coach and Omari's a young guy and you're showing them how to gym actually how to work. And no, that's yeah. no not to say that they didn't know how right. to do it, but that's just saying having those influential people at those critical moments mm-hmm. who are like, nah, bro, like, Nah, he's in here. You got to be in here. This is how we do it, and this is how you can be better. Um, it really helps build a program, and I'm really thankful, and I'm 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 glad I had uh, an impact on Bloomfield in a positive way. But I always did it for just really just one. I just wanted everybody respect because I always I was always undersized my whole life. You know, I was always the smallest one. Me and Nate was always the little the little kids running around here. Everybody nobody wanted to respect. And um, I'm really glad that I was able to earn my teammates' respect, and I'm glad it, it led to championships. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, look at the – look at the, some of the guys that, you know, that is – you know, that Bloomfield mm-hmm. produced, man. Like, Amari scored 1,500 points. Right. Marvin Williams <laughs> got 1,700 points. Yep. Gage got – he's the all-time leading scorer. Ha. Dre got two thousand points, and then there's a bu- yeah, Javier. Yeah. It's a bunch of guys that scored. Yeah, and what's my what's my young guy's name? Yo. He just he just got you know finished up uh, I, last I, year. He's I from feel- uh, the Philly. Uh, what's what's the young guy's name? He, he yeah yeah oh, oh yeah, man, yeah. and I and I'm uh, sorry if you hear him, man. I I, I, name, I'm man. I'm just drawing a blank. But Coach Holmes is the dude. He told me he like ain't nobody been in this gym at four in the morning, but that kid. So I was like, I gotta watch this kid. Yeah, he was tough, man. That dude can play, man. Yeah, I forgot yep, his yep. name. I know you're talking about. He had the braids, right? Lefty. Yeah, he could shoot. He could shoot. I forgot his name. But I feel me, and also oh, I feel yeah. like Bloomfield College don't get enough respect. You know what I'm saying? As far as one In the of country. the better Division two programs, yeah. you know, on the East Coast or whatever the case is. You know what I'm saying? Like Coach Holmes, he put in. You know what he got? Like eight conference championships. Yeah, went to the national tournament, elite eight, and all that. You know, it's just you know I tell kids all the time. If you can shoot and you work hard, oh yeah, you're gonna play a and coach Holmes gonna let you shoot. He's gonna let you shoot. You play <laughs> a lot of coach, coaches don't let nope. you shoot. Coach Holmes gonna right. let you shoot. He take you up and not shooting. Right. No, but they don't but co- but 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 norm, people don't understand it. They be like, What you mean he gonna let me shoot? I'm like, bro, what's the most threes you ever have? You mm-hmm. ever not you. I took me talking to a kid or whatever, like, what's the most threes you ever shot in the game? And they'll be like, eight. <laughs> I'm like, I shot 17 in one game, bro. And they're like, yeah. 17 threes? I'm like, yeah, 10 for 17. And they're like, yo, that's crazy. I'm like, I'm like, but two I other was guys. playing with another guy they- that can shoot just as good as me, though. Dude, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Me, yep. you, Danny, it's like, it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know, I just feel like, you know, you know that the Bloomfield just shaped us for mm-hmm. you know a lot of success with the coaching in the coaching ranks and just yeah, you know, and with I, kids I think and I think from a nature, coach's man. standpoint and you know? just dealing with kids, I think a huge influence on my life um, at Bloomfield and and now is uh, Miss Wooten. 
she genuinely cared about us, man. She genuinely cared about the yes. athletes, uh, making sure we're doing the right she things did. and just yep. wanting us to be good people. And I really think that permeates in all the sports and, and you know, it's a huge influence on, on every program that we have at Bloomfield. So I wanted to give Ms. Wooten a shout out because that's my girl, man. You know, I love her to death. And Bloomfield would be where yeah. we're at um, sure. without her, just her influence and her, her standing well. Yeah, lead, leading the charge. She's leading the charge. Um, you know, so with the – what you think about the state of basketball right now in the state of New Jersey? I mean, I got my own reservations, you know, you know what I think and, you know, recruiting and transferring and all that stuff. But, you know, just me, what I think is, you know, you can, you can have your different opinion. It doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. It, it is what it is. You know, I, I, I respect it. But I just I feel as though like you know at, at this stage of the game with high school basketball, I think it's going mm-hmm. back to the to a lot of the public schools. You know, they're, the private schools are always going to do their thing because yeah. it's more public. It's more public schools than private schools. You know, so I I think some kids are starting to realize like you know what, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna play in the play in my my hometown, the high school I went, uh, the the high school in the town or whatever the case is. Yeah, it's a lot of transferring and things of that nature, but people are going to transfer because, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy for them to transfer. That's the easy way out. That's my thing. It's always been the easy way out for them to leave and go try to play at a, a private school or whatever until you realize that you got five other guys at your position yep. and four of them is better than you, and now you're the fifth guy. Well, I think you I know, think so the state of high school basketball with transferring things like that, I, I know being in South Jersey and uh, being a coach that at a public school um, – my guys that won the championship literally every year we had local, like local Catholic schools, prep schools and stuff like, you know, actively trying to recruit them, um, which is part of high school basketball. But to be honest with you, man, recruiting never bothered me. Um, I really felt like for me, my influence on, on the team and the culture of my team, whoever decides to buy into what we're doing is going to be better for it. And we're going to beat those people that left. And, um, that's kind of always been my approach. It's always been an embrace of family. I, I remember distinctively telling a player who is a division one football player right now, like, oh yeah, you, yeah, I know they're recruiting you. You can leave because you can't act like that here. And him saying, I don't want to leave. So like, I think when it, like transferring can't bother you. I think transferring has to be why my, I look at it from the opposite way. Why, right. why don't they want to transfer in to come play for me? What I mean, like, what am I like? I'm not going to recruit anybody's kid. Like, I'm not recruit. I, not, I don't do. I don't believe in public school recruitment. But I do know that when you have a good program, people are attracted to it, and people will come. So if people are leaving you, you have to look at yourself and be like, you know, you know me, man. So I'm always like a self evaluation. It's always I take accountability first. So if my if everybody's leaving my my district, like like it's the freaking partner of the Red Sea. What, why, why am I lacking? What am I lacking in? Why am I not? Yeah, what, why isn't the communication going yeah, throughout the, what am I throughout doing the players to other players or younger players like, yo, Coach I is a good guy. You know, you know, y'all need to come here. Y'all going to win here. So, you know, I fought that when I first got the job. And then the guys that stayed, we grew this program. And they stayed and we won. And, you know, the younger guys were coming in. They knew I was, I was considered crazy and I wasn't taking no mess. But all of them were successful. But, they, but this is the thing. They want 
at discipline <laughs> because they want to be successful. And the moment they see that, that that type of discipline leads to success, they're like, I want that. I'm coming there. I don't want to, I don't want, I don't respect the coach that let me shoot 20 times and let me cuss him out. Like nobody respects that. People want to be respected and want to play for people that are respected. So I think with the transferring thing, if you if you put together a solid program in and and and, and you know you're doing it for the right reasons, eventually the door is going to crack wide open, and then you're going to be like your whole gym is going to be full of kids that's transferring from all over the place, and you ain't never make a phone call next because people want to be a part of a winning mentality and winning and winning teams. That's where I'm at right now with my uh, with my program. Mm-hmm. I got kids trying to, you know, they, they're trying to get into Norfolk Academy because yeah. they're like, yo, I want to, you know, I want to play for coach. You know, oh, Chase is here. Chase is doing good. Oh, Chase had a really good year. But they don't understand, like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know what yeah. Chase had to do last summer to get to where he, he, he where he at right now. And that's over. over. And I tell kids all the time, you had a great season. It's over. Yep. You're 13 more county. It's over. You got to you got to move on. You got to move on. You know what I'm saying? But the kids get caught up a lot with, um, you know, mm-hmm. past uh, rewards or whatever yeah. the case is, like what they did in the past. It, it, it means nothing, man. Yeah. It means nothing. It's good you being recognized for it. You know what I'm saying? But transferring, is, it is what it is. Like at, at this point, it's like if they leave, they leave. I have my boy up here, uh, Jamal yeah. Cooper. He, he well, listen, kids, because, you know, you know a lot of times kids and parents, they try to use that as like a mechanism to, you know, to have more influence and say in your program. And the bottom line is if you're, if you're that, if you're the head coach and you're the alpha dog, that influence doesn't exist like that. That will never and I'll never allow somebody to feel like they can, you know, put a gun to my head to, to have influence over my program. It's not going to happen. So if you think that's, that's how you want to do business, then this is not the place for your child. Cause this is not about, this is bigger than basketball. It's not, I'm a teacher. I'm a, I'm a person yeah. like my guys right now. Like we got a group chat. I call them all the time. They call me all the time. We family, we family forever. You know, we went through, we went through ups and downs together, everything, you know, you can't, yeah, yeah. you can't fake that. You can't microwave that. So, you know, if, if, if coaches are out there and they feel like they have to kind of like, you know, go back and forth with their with their morality or you know what they need to do to have the players that they think they want a lot of times man if that one kid who's a terrible freshman if that if you're a good coach and that joker shows up to every summer workout shows up to every by the time senior come he gonna be he's gonna run through a brick wall for you and he gonna have all the dogs with him and then you you can be the team that has more talent than you you know what i mean so what people have to understand what are you in this for are you in this because you want to win or you want to go to the next level as a coach? What is your true intentions? Because as coaches and as leaders and critical moments, our, our intentions are always going to show up. Like you can't hide. You can't hide from these these things like that is just going to show the good, the bad and the ugly. So if your intentions are always the right intentions and kids know it, they're going to fight for you. They're going to fight for you and you fight for them. And then, then that's that's how you win. And that's yeah. how you win fast. But if you can't, if you want, I'm gonna get this best player. I'm gonna get that best player. I'm gonna get. We're just gonna have a oh, yo, man. It's not gonna work. Not on, not on the high school level. In the AU ranks, it works because there's not the AU game and the high school game is, is two different games. You know what I mean? Like not knocking AU. It's just two different games, and you can't operate in the public school, you know, high school setting the same way that you operate in the AU setting. It don't work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
South Jersey, you you, I mean, mm-hmm. there's talent all across uh, all across the state. You know what I'm saying? You think you think South Jersey basketball get enough respect um, from uh, as a whole? That, that's 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 tough for me to answer. I think as a whole, no. But I also think that a lot of programs in South Jersey don't deserve yeah. respect. I, I I got you know, and being a coach that you know, one coaching in South Jersey and then taking a couple years and stepping back and seeing what goes on with, with some of these programs. And I don't think a lot of a lot of these programs don't deserve respect. I think there are programs that do deserve respect. And there's a lot of great coaches out here that are working really hard that deserve respect. But for the most part, you know, I, I you know, I see I, I look at it. I, I base it off of my willingness to, to win. Right. So uh, everybody looks at things from that perspective. I know what I did for my kids. Mm-hmm. I know what I did for my program, what I was willing to do for my program. And I look at it like if you ain't willing to work as hard as me, I ain't going to look at you the same. Just like if we in the gym, if I'm in the gym seven hours and you come in here off a two hour right. half behind workout, I'm not going to look at you the same. So it's it's hard for me to look at South Jersey basketball or a lot of coaches and they're like, yo, we're, we, we, we deserve more. Like, no, you don't. If you're not getting what you want, why are you not putting in the extra hours? Why aren't you going above and beyond? Don't sit here and blame the kids for not showing up. Why aren't you showing up? You know what I mean? So I, I think there's a lot of I think there are a few teams in South Jersey that deserve right. that North Jersey respect. I don't think there are a lot because we're we're not as competitive in South Jersey as it is in North Jersey. Now I think, but I also don't think that a lot of South Jersey coaches go outside right. their comfort zone to compete against North Jersey before the playoffs. Like I put St. Benedict on my schedule, <laughs> um, my that that last year I got right. blown out by thirty, but I need to. Yeah, it ain't, but it ain't, but people people don't realize it's not about getting blown out. It's about prepping the kids for a tough oh, situation. I knew, I, mean, I knew it was going to be a long day. I, I thought we was going to be a little bit more competitive, but yo, I mean, they have five D1 dudes and they were out here dunking on everybody. And I had one D1 point guard and some D1 football guys, but you know what I mean? Like, but they got exposed to, yo, this is a higher level of play. My summer leagues, I didn't even do South Jersey summer leagues, bro, for high school. I put my team, my varsity team, my boy Sidney Francis, shout out to Sidney. Um, he let us play in his men's league. And, you know, WAG is we the only high school team in it. I'm like, yo, man, my dudes is getting bullied. Right. And they got bullied for three straight summers. And then they going up into these high school kids like these little boys out here. So, like, you know, these there's different things that you have to do as a coach to earn respect. The one right. number one thing to earn respect as a coach to me is mm-hmm. your integrity, your integrity and your willingness to love these kids. And the second one is your preparation. If you're not out here prepping yourself, looking yourself in the mirror, I didn't really scout teams like that. I was always scouting us. What, what, why can't we, why are we functioning against a two, three properly? What, are, what am I doing wrong? If you can't be that type of coach, then you don't need to be coaching and you don't definitely don't deserve respect from North Jersey or anybody else. So, it, you know, I just look at it. I just look at coaching with such a high regard because of the, the great coaches that influenced me and impacted my life. I take it very serious. I don't just do it for wins. You know what I mean? I, I, because I got guys now that or my high school guys now they want to get in coaching. They want to have a positive impact, and that's really what it's. Yep. But everybody want they want the wins. They want to say, "Oh, I want a state championship." Like, bro, man, nah, man, this ain't about the state. I'd rather lose a hundred state championships with the right kids than win one with the wrong kid. I'm, and that's just me. People might think that's crazy, but it's not. It's not about that for me. For me, it's yeah. Yeah, it's calling it's integrity, man. That's what it's called, integrity. 
Um, I just want, you know, we're going to wrap it up in a little bit, but, you know, I want to talk about, I'm going to go back to, you know, when we were in college or whatever the case is, and just talk about that conference that we played in the CACC. Because what's, ha- what's happening now, I'm, you know, I talk to some kids, you know, and they, they call me, yo, Coach Mingo, where you think I should go? You think I should go D2? You think I should go D3? You know, and I explained them, like, you know, if one of the CACC school, mm-hmm. you know, reach out to you, you should, you know, take take it, you know. Well, who's in the CACC? And I and I, I mentioned to a mm-hmm. kid, uh, you ever heard of Herb McGee? Not saying they should know, but, you know, if you're a basketball player, you, 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 you claim you love the game or whatever oh, yeah. the case is, you should know uh, Philly U is one of the better teams, always one of the better teams in the country. Mm-hmm. And that CACC conference is not no pushover. You know, you got your you mm-hmm. got your Bloomfield, Once. Dominican, uh, Nyack, Goldie, Wilmington, yeah. uh, Caldwell, Felician. You know, it's a tough conference. You know, and I, and people think it's oh nah, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not that competitive. It's very very competitive. It's very very com- competitive. And for um for kids out there, you know, I encourage them to. Learn all the D two conferences, you know, whether it's in the, in in New Jersey, whether it's in California, whether whether it's in Ohio or whatever. The oh case yeah, D two basketball is really really competitive. D three is mm-hmm. too. You know, we all we, we all know D one is the highest level, but um, I think, yeah, no, I think, I, I you know, agree. I, I think two, division two and division three both think? don't get enough credit. I don't think people realize how hard it is to play after high school. Um. And I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm coming from a perspective of a guy that was a top scorer in South Jersey and all conference, all South Jersey player, and didn't get one scholarship offered from anybody. So it's very, mm-hmm. very tough to play on those levels, and they should get more respect. And I think when you're talking to some of these young guys, I think the conversation with some of these young guys and their parents they need to be more about um, fit, because you can be a Division One talent and not fit into a, a Division One program's system. Or fit into what they're looking for personnel-wise that, that recruiting yeah. Um, And these are things that a lot of a lot of our young people they they because they don't deal with it's so rare for people to play college ball. Like you gotta understand, like we are part of an elite group to be able to play on some level of of sport after high school. So those conversations need to be had so kids understand. Like yeah, you might get a D one offer. They're recruiting four other kids at your position, or Bloomfield might be recruiting you, and you gotta compete against a returning senior and yourself and maybe one other player and they, and the coach will let you shoot if you can shoot the ball. Like these are things that a lot of people, they just get caught up in the name or um, is, is it a D1, D2? They don't even talk about the money. Now, you know what I mean? They're like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, let's, let's college costs money. So this D1 is saying you can walk <laughs> on and it's going to cost you 40 racks a year or this D2 is offering you um, a full ride or, or 75% ac- uh, athletic scholarship. And, you know, you talking about going like, let's be realistic here. Let's talk about what's the right fit for you as a person and going to a program that's going to help you develop as a man, as a young man or a young woman. Um, these are all things that, you know, have to go beyond, oh, this right. D1 is D2. Oh, they, they lost a whole bunch of games last year. Like, oh, Bloomfield was a losing program for a long time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> before we got there. So it's like none of that stuff should should yeah. matter. What should matter is, What's the culture? What what's the coach like? You know what I mean? Like how how is he with developing players and you know getting good people out here and, and you know 
and helping them land employment and things like that because everybody ain't going pro. We all know that. But these D2 and they out here, they're competitive. A lot of these, a lot of these high school kids won't – they can't even yeah. play community college, a lot of them. They think they can, <laughs> but they can't. Yeah, and my, 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 my thing is – and this is my – yeah. I've always been a proponent for who going to let you play, man. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not going nowhere just to say I'm here, and, and you know I'm just here because yep, you know it's a Division yep. One school. I'm going where I can. You, am I going to play? I want to play. I don't want to play. I don't want to play ten minutes a game. I don't want to play fifty. I want to play 25, 30 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. And if a coach is telling me, "Yo, I'm gonna let you play twenty five minutes mm-hmm. a game," and uh, yeah. you know you can you can shoot yeah. the three, I encourage you to shoot. Done deal. Yeah. It's done. That's yeah. the right fit for you. That's all you need to hear, you know. But um, that's uh, that's that's yeah. that's just the way I look at it, man. Everybody have their own opinion, and they they're entitled to that. So we usually okay. wrap we usually wrap the show up with a uh, a couple of questions. So the first the first question is, um, what's your top five if Norman Ingram? Needs to needs to stay alive. He has to put the top five. I get five players. Greatest basketball player Shoot. on the court to save I'm his going, life. Man, so, listen, my team to, to win it all. I'm going five MJ. Players. Five players. Kobe. Magic. I'm going. Okay. Then I'm going probably. <laughs> okay. I'm going okay. Tim Duncan and my power forward. And I'm going. And I'm going. Kareem, because I gotta be, I gotta have guys that can share the ball with Kobe mm. and Mike. That's my five, and my coach, my coach will be Chuck Daly. He's my number one favorite coach of all time. Okay, all right. So my my five is Mike, of course. Kobe, I love Barkley. Listen, he would be my six. He would be my six man. I, I ain't gonna I lie. Go with Sir Charles, <laughs> no. I, I got okay. I got to go with Charles, and then at the okay. four, I got to go with Hakeem. Yeah, I got to go with the Dream, and then I, nah, and I like it. I, I like know, it, man. So that's my I don't five. know, I think, man. I think my five will win because look, my X factor is Magic because Magic can play can play look, Charles. Look, he can play everybody. Look, and he gonna get everybody the ball. He can, but I just feel as though I just feel as though when. You got Mike, yeah, Kobe. No, but but listen, Charles, but you got to get everybody. Got to get touches. Mike, and magic, magic is tough. That guy. Magic is tough. Like you got it because Kobe, just, Kobe ain't passing it. <laughs> man, you. All- no, nah, he don't need to. Just score. <laughs> he don't need to pass it. No, we not. No, no, we not doing that. You know my assistant. You listen, know my sister. The coaches had those two. You need that. every every championship team ball. got a glue Yo, guy, bro. You either need a glue guy. The selfless. Uh-uh. We t- <laughs> we took off our coaches hat. Nah, we man, listen, we passing the ball. I'm well, you listen, you won't be bro. passing and losing. I'll be passing and we're gonna be winning. Nah, yeah, I though too. So it is. Well, that's a. I'm not losing with Mike, but I'm not losing with Mike Jordan. Yeah, you got Mike too. See, <laughs> nah, man. But uh, nah, yo, man. I appreciate it. It's yeah. so it's so great to hear your voice, man. It's been a I'm, while. Um, 
Tell Nate I said yeah, what's man. up. As soon as this craziness is over, man. If I can, man, let me just give a shout out. Shout out to my Winslow family, my Camden family. Um, my mentors, uh, Al Dyer, sure, um, sure. and Coach Mike McBride. You know, if anybody is uh, looking to find out more about coaching, Coach Mike McBride is all over the country now. He's uh, the Wings Project, a few good men. Um, please seek out, if you're going to get into coaching, any young coaches, man, like seek out wisdom. Seek out people who have done it, walked your path or the path that you're trying to walk. And people are so willing to give advice, man, and help people, you know, be successful. I'm one of those people. You might want to reach out to me. They can. You hit me up on social media or whatever. Um, and just a shout out to my, my, you know, my, my two back-to-back championship Bloomfield squads, man. All my guys, man. I love y'all. I miss y'all. I miss y'all, man. Shout out to Coach Holmes, the whole <laughs> Bloomfield family. And, uh, yeah, you know, I really want yeah. everybody that I've ever had an impact on my that's ever had an impact on my life. I pray that you guys are healthy and strong and, you know, living out your dreams so yeah no all right man god bless bro for sure for sure thanks we'll be in touch soon all right all right for sure thank you